0: This time I'm walking to New Orleans. I'm walking to New Orleans. I'm gonna need to parachute when I get through walking these blues. When I get back to New Orleans, I've got my suitcase in my hand. I'm leaving here today Yes, I'm going back home the stay. Yes, I'm walking to New Orleans You used to be my honey Till you spent all my morning No use for you to cry I see you by your by into new water. I've got no time for talking I've got to keep on walking
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Sides of the Story special. Um, Last week, week we did 10 years since, and we got such an enormous response from it that we had to come back and do part two. Um, This is a Two Sides of the Story Productions and a True Radio Network joint venture. So let me bring in our other co-host for the night, Mr. Jason Terrell. How are you doing today, sir?
2: Doing doing absolutely fantastic poetry. Doing absolutely fantastic. Let me tell you that last two that last uh ten years since was, was a very epic show. Um I, I I need to retweet it and uh 'cause 'cause, you know, people love Twitter for some god awful reason. And it it's a show that should be heard. Cause it it would and this is what this is what a lot of people don't get about our, our companies. Uh, you know, Two Sides of the Story and regular Radio Network uh what we are what we are uh companies based off of what real boots on the ground, down earth people think. Sometimes and I watch I do a lot of media. I watch a lot of things, a lot of news, and sometimes you don't need a professor from the psychiatric university of God knows where has a PhD and God knows what who doesn't know anything about what really happened in New Orleans. You know, sometimes you don't need somebody from the disaster relief, you know, whatever from the center, from from God knows wherever, um, about you know uh, to, to talk about something. Sometimes what you really need are regular people that have lived through it, know about it, that have seen the reports, that have investigated things outside of American journalism and outside of the American media. And and that's exactly what we are. And that's something I've always appreciated. I've been in a lot of radio places, and that's something I appreciated. With you know when I when I worked with. Uh, two sides and now that I'm doing the true network thing it's, it's 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 good to have a great group, a great network of people that are really just seriously hands on in all about experience and nobody and nobody's jumping out there trying to if they don't know then they, they honestly just concede to say they don't know. They do just talk talk. You know, I really appreciate that. I don't know if i ever said that. That was nice.
1: Most definitely. I mean I think we both can agree that's kind of the concept of what, like you just say it stated on both our channels, you know, it's from a real person. It's not gonna be p c all the times we there are going to be times we offend people, and let me just get the disclaimer out right now um one, if there's kids around, you might want to get steer them away from this this episode this is not going to be a family friendly episode um there will be cursing and things of that nature. two, if you are easily offended by political topics or any other topics, this might not be the episode for you either with that being said. Let's kind of give everybody a synopsis of what happened on the last 10 years since, just in case they didn't listen to it. Um, On the last 10 years since, we got to talk about uh, the 10-year remembrance, because again, I hate the word anniversary. Just Just me personally, I don't like using anniversary when I think of Katrina. But the remembrance of 10 years since Katrina, you know, some of the misconceptions in the media, one big misconception that I, I had to address is when people hear Katrina, the first thing they think of is, oh, Hurricane Katrina did so much damage. It really didn't because we didn't get hit by a storm. This, we were in the path of the storm, but we did not get hit by the storm. And when I say hit, I mean the the actual eye of the storm going over our city, and we're somewhere in that remnants, which is not what happened. And we didn't even get hit with a Category 5 storm. Katrina, when she made landfall, was about Category 3, which is what the levees were supposed to be able to handle, which is something I didn't get get a chance to touch on on the last episode, which I will touch on this episode, um, the whole levee situation. So the majority of the damage was definitely done by the levees breaking, so we touched on that. um we had someone here, one of my co hosts one of my hosts on the channel, i joy, she is in the military i I didn't even know it is she was sent to New Orleans to help with the whole disaster recovery and everything, but we found out that there was a forty eight hour wait before anybody can do anything when they when the military made it to New Orleans, which was just mind-blowing. I didn't know that. I don't think any of us knew that. And it just was crazy to even think of the government making someone wait, making people that can help people in danger, fear of their lives, dying 48 hours. That was just crazy for me. That, I think that really pissed me off more, even more so when I heard it.
2: Um, can I can I you know, uh poetry, can I can I jump in with another new fact There's something there's so there's so much uh so much in terms of failure on the government's behalf with the whole Hurricane Katrina situation. Um I just with another one that nobody talks about. Remember I talked a few things about what the uh manager of the stadium went through with his staff and waiting on mm-hmm. government assistance government assistance. Um, I also want to tell people what they what they haven't heard what Amtrak was doing. Um, Amtrak at the at the time before the storm hit was being used to funnel uh um, important equipment out of the city. Some of the equipment was gonna be brought back in, it was being funneled out but kept safe. But what you had in a situation where not only was the evacuation being was uh being ordered late, you had Amtrak leaving with tra- with train full of equipment and empty cars and not people. Everyone else to focus on that parking lot full of school buses. But there was so much more happening that could have saved hundreds of lives, and 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 they didn't. And again, you don't you don't hear about that Amtrak involvement. You, you just don't. It's never brought up. And it's something I picked up on again when I was looking, when I was reading through you know uh, articles in the BBC, reading through things from the Associated Press that you won't see on on the, the, the entertainment news that we get here in in, in America. And unfortunately. It is. News, entertainment. Uh, a good friend of ours, Travis Hopkin uh, from Punch Drug Critics, he calls uh, a lot of our uh, American media infotainment. I think that's a great word. But yeah, so just let it there alone. Imagine how many lives could have been uh, put in a better place instead of equipment, instead of actual empty trains. You know, you're you, you talking air They're gonna get those people out of there a hell of a lot faster than them walking to uh, to the dome. You know.
1: Definitely. Um, but even with Amtrak, just because, just because it, I'm trying to explain this, even with Amtrak do, doing that, their, Amtrak couldn't do a whole lot because of the way New Orleans is situated. Um, Amtrak really runs through maybe a fourth of the city tops, and that's me being a nice, nice about it, and where they run. Usually are in the low-lying areas, so there there wasn't much they can do to actually get two people. That's me, just putting that out there in that sense. You know that Amtrak probably could only could only do the best they could do. Where I feel like the, they probably what they could have done more is the actual removing of people from the Superdome. From from the convention center because Amtrak does pass right there where all those people are and bring them somewhere. I don't well, care if you need a bus, train. I don't care if you need to get two boats in time together. The efforts to get people out of those situations were just minuscule.
2: Yeah, and that and that and, that, and that's what I mean as far as the bigger picture. You know, the, the evacuation was ordered late. It was ordered less than twenty four hours before the storm hit. That 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 was another disaster. That was another disaster. Yeah. And there was actually a Republican congressional investigation to that that again, boom, put the finger on Ray Megan for that and also said the federal um the the federal government's response was horrific. But you you, you tie all these resources together. The, the 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 buses not being used, the the you know the trains not being used. People could have been thrown out. They could have had an actual hotel set up. I know. I know some hotel chains took in some evacuees for a, for a small amount of time, mind you, like in, in a disgustingly small amount of time. But you could have pulled all these resources and had a much better situation. You know, if, if you know, like I said in the last show, if the, the manager of the dome was requesting national guard assistance. Well get it over there. Yeah, well, why 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 isn't it over there? We could we can put National Guard assistance anywhere. We can take we can put um we can put the T S A in England for the Olympics. You need to tell me we couldn't have got more people there when, when the person managing the place where crimes were happening and people were losing it there was there was there was no food, it was in the dark, uh, the, the water was coming through the roof. We couldn't get anybody uh, Just it it's it's so impossible to fathom in this, quote, unquote, great country of ours that, that it really, it, I still have chills from it. And, and what bothered me the most was, and I got to do my slow look at George Bush because, you know, I, I wore it on my sleeve. I I, I, I was a Bush defender. Um, seeing that flyover picture, that flyover picture yeah. pissed me off. You're in a jet. You're nowhere near the carnage. I know. A little later on, it was where he came down and took a couple pictures with a couple crying uh, African American women, and that, that's all. That's all PC. But you know, at, at, at a point, you have to say to yourself, "Get this camera out of my face now." It's not the time. Let's land this thing. Where can we land? I need to be down there. I need to be down there. You know what I mean? And to me, that to me that picture showed uh, a, a man who was in a very comfortable spot, you know, temperature control, plane, coffee, it is Air Force One, it is what it is. It's a flying luxury suite with an office in the back when he should have been boots on the ground. He should have been one of the first politicians there. He should have. And, and, And no matter what aspect I defend Bush, that was one of Bush's many Many, many fuck ups. That was one of them. And that one that I saw I saw the picture. I remember being at work. And I said, what? I said to my son, I said I said, what the fuck is he doing on Air Force One? I mean, yeah, he need, he has to get there on Air Force One. But it it, it looked like they're a photo shoot, like hey, I'm looking out the window. You don't even know if he's really over new all right. Yes. Another
1: um Bush situation that comes to mind when I think of that, because you just you're talking about that photo I remember him having a press conference from Jackson Square. Um, the lights were on. This wasn't. This was. I want to say this was like maybe a week or two after Katrina and after that whole situation um, with the at Superdome and um, you know Convention Center. He was at Jackson Square giving a press conference to the to the U.S. showing that New Orleans was going to be resilient, which we are because we've always been resilient, and the lights were on. Meanwhile, if you pan maybe 3 blocks to the left, no lights. Literally, no lights. There are the the positioning and the political maneuvers to make himself look good in that situation is very sickening because if you could turn the lights on in Jackson Square for this particular event, why not turn them on for everybody? Because some people actually did decide to stay. They didn't evacuate everyone. Some people decided to stay because certain areas wasn't too bad off, which is something I'll touch on in a few. But certain areas weren't too bad, but they just didn't have utilities, you know, necessities. So these areas, if you have all these lights off, you have all the water off, why is George Bush getting all of this on national airwaves to make it seem like everything is okay?
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, even, I remember even Howard Dean saying uh, the disaster proved the Bush was incompetent. I didn't necessarily agree with that statement. For me, uh, and you know me, Poetry, I have such a high level of respect for the office of the presidency than the actual guy sitting in it. So I tend to not directly insult the president, no matter whether he's doing great or bad. Uh, You know, I could, I could, you know, I mean, I could rail for six hours about Obama right now, and then I can do three hours good, three hours horrible. But, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, get out there, get down there, help hand some stuff out. Don't just take a picture with your goddamn trees rolled up and act and, and after the luxurious picture that, that everybody hated. You know, get down there and really, really make a difference. He did, uh, I believe, So between three to six days later, I should pull the information up and get the exact date. Matter of fact, I can do that right now. He did sign a a, a huge aid package, okay, Um, and and I got it right here. It's $10.4 billion and uh, 7,200 National Guard troops, but but that was roughly within four days of the hurricane hitting. I'm sorry, Mr. President, too little, too late, way too little, way too fucking late, and that's not – that's not going to make a difference after the fact. You could have those National Guardsmen down there helping people get out. Again, Humvees, convoys, the trains, the buses—it all starts to come together. You could have got thousands out, you know. And I—it—it—it's—it's I, it, it, funny because you know. I actually, I don't know if you do know. Um, this this True Talk coming up uh, this Tuesday is going to be on 9/11. And right. I I I know. Again, another botch. I know so much about what is Bush's fault what isn't Bush's fault on 9-11. I was actually coming into tonight's show getting my facts mixed up. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not going to talk about terrorism tonight. But at the end of the day, it was about the failure of government. And one thing, one of the beauties that we were able to show on the last show, uh, the last 10 years later show, was that it's great to point the finger at the president, but you've got to take it all the way down. You got to. You can start at the bottom and get to the top, or start at the top and get to the bottom. But you got to go down to the local government as well. You got to go down to the to, to the evacuation being declared within 24 hours. Who the hell can evacuate within 24 hours of anything? You know what I mean? it You're is talking impossible. About people move, really it, moving their lives.
1: It's impossible to evacuate a small town in 24 hours. New Orleans was a city of millions, easily. And you and uh, and I stated this on the show last week, last last time. A lot of people d- didn't have cars. Didn't they depended on public transportation? And a lot of people were elderly people that again depended on the transportation or you know transportation from w- with the ride system. You know how with the disabled and the elderly that they use to go from back go back and forth. Why was none of this thought of? When you made that evacuation plan at the very last minute, I was
2: sitting there and I I, I I was sitting there watching them put the sandbags up. And at the time, they were putting the sandbags up, which I'm sure there was some. I don't know. I'm just gonna give give them the benefit of the doubt because there's a lot of doubt. I was I was sitting there going, why aren't these same people getting these people the hell out of town? Because at that time, a Category Five had just made a right turn and was headed directly for them. You know what I mean? Right. Like like the like, like the sandbag pictures and all the preparation. It was so positive and so and so's here to help and people are here to help. I'm like, oh okay, like, I get it. it. It makes you feel good, but I'm thinking like when this thing hits, either one or two things is gonna happen. It's gonna do what most hurricanes do and kinda get close to get close to land and kind of drop down to a depression. We'll get a nice storm, that will not power out for a week, or it's about to fuck this city up. And the closer and closer it got, it it, it, it was not slowing down it Dropped to a category three before it hit land. But I mean, going from five to three, you, at, at, at a category five, <laughs> imagine how the waves are already hitting the city. Imagine how the rain sure. is already hitting the city at a category five. You're, you're gonna feel that category five way out, and I I can be super standing. I I went through that. I didn't. We didn't get the full blown superstorm, but we got we got we got we got it worse when it was a full blown storm outside of the coast. That's where we were getting it. That's when I thought the tree come through the window. When it got here, it was a, you know, a little tropical depression, Sandy, whatever they switched the name to. And it was like, oh, you know, okay. So I was like, why didn't they get these people out of there? Um, <clears throat> but another story I remember reading, and I found it, um, there were hundreds of firefighters that volunteered to come in, even, even a squad from Fairfax County, firefighters and medical professionals that came in. They were rerouted to Atlanta where they sat through days of presentations on how to handle things down there, on presentations on things like sexual harassment, uh, things like um, racial sensitivity training, uh course, whatever. They, they, they weren't put in to do what they do on a daily basis, wherever they come from. These hundreds of firefighters and medical professionals were just sitting there waiting, dying to go in, you know, just like Oma Joy and her squad was dying to get in there and make a difference. And they were caught up in the political backlog, and and you still don't have someone to to tell responsible for all this. You know, yeah, of course you point the finger at sure. Bush, sure. But Bush will be out. Yeah, you know, the president of any situation, will be out. It amounts to Benghazi right now. Same thing. You know, guys at the base in Germany knew the attack was going down. Guys at the base in Africa knew the attack was going on, but they were told to wait. It's sure it's Hillary Clinton's fault, I guess. But she's already she's already out. She's run for president. Who else Who else had a grasp, and who else should be held accountable? We may never ever know.
1: We'll never get a definitive answer on that. But I I I point the blame at Bush because there's a couple of missteps that I am utterly insulted by but i know for a fact it is not just him i blame all of new orleans government i blame all of louisiana government and the u.s government you want to know how pathetic the response is compared to some other responses that were were, were made in, in concern to hurricane katrina sean penn a actor not even a government person a actor was able to get into new orleans and assist people Let that sink in for a second. A actor with no government power was able to get in and assist people out of homes, off roofs, all of that, within a a couple of days of the storm. Canada wanted to help. Um, Venezuela wanted to help. There were multiple countries that were willing to help right then and there. They didn't, They weren't waiting. They said, whatever you guys are ready, we can send you help. But, of course, our government being what they are, no help. It just amazes yeah. me. Meanwhile, if something, if somebody farts too loud somewhere else and we think that's bad, people are there in two days. Tops.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, that, and, that, and that's where and that's where we're at. So you gotta people out there have to open their mind a little bit for our, our frustrations. I know there are some people saying, "Well, you know, what happened happened." It, 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 was, it wasn't that simple. It really wasn't that simple. There was a there was a gigantic monster heading at the country, and when you say the United States government failed, it did, and that's what the United States, the United States government does. They, the United States government fails on certain occasions. Occasionally they could rise to the top and really be champions for the people, and the blame goes to certain individuals. When, when, when every single politician who didn't, send, who didn't offer to send people from their state also fails, when, when every single National Guardsman that wasn't sent down there, they should look at their boss and say, you failed. You failed and I don't need some somebody telling me the bureaucratic lineup because you'll get that Well, You know that's not how it works. You know it's this is pecking order. I don't care. The, the, the boots on the ground weren't there. That's it. That's it for me. I mean, you know I'm a very, I'm a very simple guy. you. I'm very 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 simple about this thing. The boots on the ground weren't there, and that in itself is goddamn disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know the, the, I mean I, can, you- I can't forgive it.
1: And let's take it from a standpoint of how vulnerable New Orleans is, because I don't think people realize why I'm frustrated, because, one, I'm from New Orleans, and I know that my city is just one big bowl that's surrounded by water. On one side, we have Lake Pontchartrain. On another side, we have Lake Barn. On another side, we have the Mississippi River. And on the other side, we have Lake Moripaw. All of this water is above us because we're below below sea level and when you get a big rush of water in all these places at one time where is it supposed to where is it going to go that was what the levees were supposed to do keep all this water from going into the city and getting into an event like this levees break and I use that word break very loosely and we have this situation here. Now, in certain parts of the city, you couldn't even tell there was a storm. In the uptown region of New Orleans, wind damage, some water damage, some flood flooding, but nothing real major. They were up and running in a week, two weeks, no problem. In other parts of the city, like, for example, where I stayed in, I stayed in a townhome. Well an apartment complex with my mother at that time, and- apart, across from the apartment complex was a house like that if you walk if I walk outside and walk acro- directly across the street, I'm going to walk to a house after Katrina, if I went to my mother's house to get to that same house, I had to walk down the street across the street because that's where the house was, at least half a block the other way.
2: Um, I want people. I want people to understand that. Um, the, the, I, you know, I'm, I'm a data guy. Um, severe flooding in 80 percent of New Orleans. Severe flooding. That's not counting like your regular flooding in other places. You're talking. I, I remember hearing tens of billions of gallons of water just crashing down on these people. It's yep. crashing down these people, and 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 you mean to tell me that that there was nothing we could do, but but have feel good sandbagging moments on the on the on primetime time news? Are you telling me that America? You're not telling me that. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me we're that fucking vulnerable. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me a storm can do that to a city unless the city has been ignored, unless these people have been ignored because they are at a certain poverty level. Unless you tell me that these people, that our emergency response system is really that that much garbage, we we really can't respond that well to something like this. It's 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 impossible. It's impossible. When I turn on TV and I see a million places for me to send my money, and I've never seen uh, New Orleans listed. When I could send my money to all over the world to help these people that are starving, I can send money all over the world. Where were the projects to send money to fix the ladies before they broke? Because no matter what no matter what they were supposed to do, they didn't do it. There
1: are still foundations and talk of certain disasters and events that's taken place that happened before and after Katrina that are still talked about to this day. Sandy relief, still talked about. Tsunami relief, still talked about. And I don't like playing the race card. And I don't like, I I really don't. But you have to start wondering why there isn't any value in certain other events. For example, not just Katrina, let's talk about Haiti. The earthquake in Haiti. You don't hear people talking about that. You barely he- heard people talking about it when it happened
2: the only thing the what? only thing I remember hearing the only thing i remember, sorry sorry to catch up but real quick the only thing I remember the hearing about the earthquake in Haiti is that uh Wycliffe's, um uh, charity was corrupt that was that was the big story that's, All that's, right. that's,
1: that's, um, that's, I do I do see we have somebody with their hand up i'm I'm pretty sure I know who this is, but we're gonna bring them on. Last four, four, eight,
3: four, one. You're on the air. Um, how's it going tonight, gentlemen? This is uh Robert Trump from true radio network showing my support to our brother, um, you know, network, two sides of the story. How are y'all doing? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining as much insight as I possibly can, um, on this subject matter because. I understand that, um, regardless of what's been televised, what's been on mainstream media, uh, what's been posted to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, images and whatnot, and, uh, a particular subject matter or spin is placed on it, there is nothing more solid than people that have experienced that firsthand. Um. One of the things that disturbed me about Katrina, just from what I've seen from the outside, because I did not experience it firsthand, let me go ahead and place that disclaimer out there, um, of the issue of the stadium where, uh, tons of people were held at the stadium and they couldn't leave. Um, it, it, it really draw draws a level of concern and awareness of what this whole idea of holding people in a certain area even after I guess maybe the dangerous past. Um uh, and based off of what both Black G O P and you poetry have mentioned um thus far, you know, without, you know, pulling out the race car, like you said, you've been not pulling that out, but, you know, Black G O P has mentioned specifically that when you're when you're dealing with certain areas, major disasters in certain areas of uh low income. You
2: know, See, that's what's well, Real quick, Robert well, well, um please hold your thought. I just want to point out that's, that's the political and media trick. They don't they don't call them black neighborhoods. They call them low-income neighborhoods yeah, to-, to include everybody living in there. And you know, and that's why if you if you look at places like d c you look at them saying, "Well, these are low income neighborhoods where these crimes are happening they won't just sure. say this they' they will they won't say that there's just no police presence in black neighborhoods because it 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 gets people riled up, but you say low income and people feel sorry for the neighborhood I'm sorry, go ahead
3: it's true and um just to uh follow up with that uh I have uh, seen a Fox News analogy analogy and you know i'm I'm not trying to be biased either way uh whether cnn or fox news republican or democrat i'm just stating that fox news and in one poll did gauge uh minority or poor communities saying that basically even though they're poor you know this percentage this high percentage of people have cell phones or whatnot but that goes back to the free cell phones issue by you know, certain political interests, and that's all I'm going to stick with on that. And going back to poetry's point about it makes you wonder, you know, when things like that happen, uh, you know, throughout history, it's shown that when certain major disasters happen, if you're not in a specific geographical area, that is flourishing with a certain class of people with uh, income levels, um, you may not get help on on time. I almost look at it as a model of uh, medical insurance before um, Obamacare came about. Um, You know, some people couldn't get treatment if they didn't have, you know, insurance or certain levels of uh, the programs that were featured and even with the programs that are featured whether it's uh, uh health uh, was it uh Medicaid or or um, there are a couple others I was familiar with back when I used to work in the medical field for a little bit and I deal with a lot of anguish and people getting tired of waiting for their prescriptions to be filled because the insurance companies put a weight on what they needed, whether it was pain medication or something to treat them. So, if the, and because FEMA was involved, FEMA, they, their name, their big shield was involved with this whole Katrina thing. If they're basically, now I'm not saying they are, but this is just data, okay? Take it for what, you, what it is and discern, make your own decision. But if FEMA is treating certain regional areas as if, you know, it's kind of like on a medical basis, like if you don't have certain medical insurance, then we can't take care of you. And apply that towards the low-income and high-income areas. Take that pattern and apply it. Now, that's all I'm saying. It's just what i've what I've accumulated from the conversation thus far, and I'm backing off now
1: well, if, well if, just to address address that specifically um it's not even a far stretch because New Orleans has a history, a long deep seated history of doing this. When there's a hmm. storm, when there's been big storms in New Orleans back in the past, it's well documented. If anybody wants to know, look for the storm 1901. I could be wrong on a year, but it's somewhere around there. Um, there was a public notice on blowing the levees to protect a higher, a higher end part of New Orleans at the time by flooding hmm. the lower end. That was wow. not a racial thing. That was a class thing because that also affected white people, you know, all races. But it was a lower end co- um part of town to, sac- to save a higher-end part of town. So, yes, it's definitely mm-hmm. not a far stretch to believe that things would be done to protect the better interests of the nicer parts of New Orleans as opposed mm-hmm. to... Letting the other parts of New Orleans go by, because on the flip side of that, which we talked about last week, when you get rid of the people in those lower ends, you can come by their homes, and now the lower end is no longer the lower end. You, can, you now have higher end homes and value in those area the areas that you've been trying to get for years.
2: Well, and and also that that also sets up for. Uh, and by the way, um I pulled the data as you were saying that. It, I believe if you're talking about the Great Mississippi flood of nineteen twenty seven, uh, when the happened yeah. to set up thirty tons of dynamite on a levy, um in Louisiana, yeah. um, that folks, um, remember, that is a true that is a true entity. I remember hearing about that. I remember Farrakhan was talking about that and it was called a conspiracy theory. He compared that to what happened with Katrina and and people need to know right now right now to the you know, no offense, but if you're offended, who gives a fuck. Um, right now, that was only eighty eight years ago, not not even not even a century ago. So don't 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 tell me that these people's uh children and their children's children that are raised with the same beliefs in the same neighborhoods on the same property could easily have the same idea. If 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 these areas have severely flooded in the past why don't we have a dam instead of a wall? Yeah, yeah, instead of a levy. Why why don't we have something more that could withstand a better storm? You know, call it a conspiracy theory all you want, but if it actually really happened in the past in the same area, in the same part of the country, forgive someone if they literally have to ask this question, they even believe make the same claim. <laughs> You know, you know,
3: black, black GOP. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I, you know, just based off of that statement, I got to say, there's a reason why the cliche term of history repeats itself. And I, I just realized that based off of what you just stated, there's a reason why history repeats itself. And I can't associate it with coincidence because if you have people. Big bankers, invest, investors, and politicians that look at the demographics, demographic information that look at the uh, geopolitical data, and see how things affect. And I didn't even know, as uh, you gentlemen were talking about, how George W. Bush is kind of like shot away. He showed the, the the best part, you know, him in the best part of uh, New Orleans during the storm. Um, I actually was in North Carolina during uh, Hurricane Fran back when that hit. And it, it wasn't that bad. It was during the out of the storm. I was We were in the out of the storm in a small town. And um, the most that did happen was the power cut out. And I had to go to my neighbor's house, which was right next door, but I had to cross a path maybe, maybe 45 feet. Okay. But since the power was out I couldn't see five feet past five feet in front of me. It was different. You know what I mean? It was it was it was something, you know, I well, I didn't expect. Think about think about
2: every time think about every time, uh think about a little place called Tornado Alley. Uh every year mm-hmm. they get hit with tons of tornadoes and what do you see? You see trailer parks flown over. You don't see no. them. You don't, you don't see nice houses torn apart. It's Tornado Alley. The rich don't live down there. It, it's, an, it's an area of the country set up to fail year after year after year. Yeah.
3: And it makes you wonder, well, why do those people still stay over there? And then, you know, well, I, I don't want to go ahead and dive too much further into information that is that are out there especially um <coughs> uh, specific policies of uh nineteen seventy six but um you know uh, it's it's a learning experience uh understanding how significant Katrina was um especially ten years later from both uh you poetry you know you being a New orleans native and you black g o p uh observing the Political changes that occurred during that time. You know, um, again, I'm soaking in this information and learning a lot more. I greatly appreciate you guys for putting me on.
1: Oh, it's no problem. But as as he was ta- touching on, it's it's there's I rel- I relate. What's what's go, what goes on in Tornado Alley? Kind of what go, what is what is what's going on in New Orleans as we speak. When you put people in situations where it's either live or die, and do the best you can to live with very little means of doing that, it's this is what you get. The people are in Tornado Alley because nine times out of ten they don't have the money to move out of Tornado Alley. The people are in the the certain parts of New Orleans where there's a whole lot of violence and crime, even though it's nowhere near as much as the media may have you think it is, because when you tear down houses, you tear down apartment complexes, you tear down public housing, and you build up these condos and these townhomes, and you make them above above prices that people can readily afford, they have to move. And the, all these low-income people are moving to one area. And when you move these low-income people to one area and you don't make give them means to better themselves or give them good job opportunities or give them good educational opportunities or even just give them some recreational things to do, you have kids not knowing what to do and getting into trouble, you have adults working there behind off for pennies and dimes and quarters, and then you have a whole lot of overcrowding of people on top of each other just bumping heads all the time. Pretty much you have created the perfect situation for them to eliminate
2: themselves. That's true. And 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 you know, something else I directly wanted to ask you, Paul, and we touched on it last episode, but I'm glad we're back to the second one. But in terms but in terms of New Orleans uh, we see the rebuilding. We see the reports that, oh, my God, New Orleans was rebuilt and it's flourished, and we can have Mardi Gras again. But, yeah, again, those of us out there that don't follow the infotainment side of the news, we know a lot of those neighborhoods are still struggling. They just put the tourist attraction back together. But as we slide into the gentrification side of it, now we're seeing the naval engineers down there, quote, unquote, reinforcing the Levy's. Now we see the, the the other engineers out there making sure everything's great because these nice new neighborhoods are popping up. The nice new neighborhoods are popping up where the billionaires are buying out the land where the poor people once lived. Now everything's all of a sudden being reinforced and I feel like the reinforcement kind of tiptoed along until the new the new the new um neighborhoods popped up. And now it's a go hard mission. Now it's a go-hard mission. I just want to I, – I would really like to get you just open thoughts on that. I mean, as to how, you know, you were you grew up when these, you know, leaders would have taken a whatever Category 3 storm and they absolutely didn't. Whereas now you're seeing all this super reinforcement going on when the neighborhood, I don't know, let's say income level or racial structure has changed.
1: Yeah, um, first of all – you got to remember, when I grew up, we were under the impression they could take Category 3. We didn't. They, they lied to us for years. When I say years, I mean before I was born, decades. That's how long they lied to us about these levees. Let's just get that out there right now. For all this time, we were under the impression the levees we had could take up to a Category 3 storm. We didn't even get hit by a category three. We got bypassed in in the path of a category three. But they should have been able to handle all of the all that work. They should have been able to handle everything they received. And for the most part they did. For up until Monday, water was as you would expect it for those levees and those stations. The problem came into effect when the levies, quote, unquote, broke. Now, I'm going to address this again. If you don't agree with it, if you're not big on conspiracy theories, don't care. Kiss my ass. But I have friends, family members, people I I know that I trust their opinion on because they're not – Conspiracy theorists, and they don't come up with these conspiracy theories, and they all have the exact same story in the Lower Ninth Ward, which is a highly, which is a highly pop- popular, um, populated black area of New Orleans, with high-end value property that was owned by ninety percent black black people. When the storm hit, it passed by water wasn't that bad, there are multiple accounts of something blowing up. Now, when I say blowing up, I don't mean blowing up like, you know, just like dynamite or something. From the way they described it, it sounded like a transformer blowing up in those areas. Anybody that's from New Orleans know that all the levees are made of concrete for the most part. There's some metal here and there, but... Common sense would tell anyone if a levee breaks, if those levees broke by natural causes, water, whatever, you wouldn't hear a transformer like boom, which led people to the assumption that has never been proven or disproven that those levees were intentionally broken to save other areas of the city.
3: All right, no, no, no. Poetry, you know, I, I try to be conservative. I, I try, you know what I mean? But, you know, you, you put it out there. You put You put it right out there, the fact that, you know, people that you know that have been through it and have gave their personal accounts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't want to say it, but I feel the need to just because you're kind of like driving that out of me. Um, the the 1976 reference that I made Mm -hmm. goes to a weather warfare treaty. That's as far as I'm going, okay? Now, the only other account that I will say, because you said verbatim, it sounds like a transformer exploding, I've actually heard something like that happen in the middle of the night and I'm pretty close to the Pentagon. And I've I known some military personnel before. Um that you know I've conversed with during my occupation at the time. And I've asked them, you know, did you hear anything about a storm or anything? Because it wasn't a cloud in the sky. You know, it was one of those nights, nice, you know, just hanging out and sipping a couple of beers, We're not going to sleep. And something that's just ridiculously loud, it wakes you out of your sleep and it sounds like an explosion, like not not a normal thing, but something that's just loud, ridiculously loud. And you don't see anything when you get up. You know, you go straight to the window. It's like, what the heck is going on? Um I don't know whether Black GOP has gone through something similar, but I'm personally accounting for something similar to that. And knowing that that's how I felt like it felt like, like a transponder actually exploding, because I had no idea what a transponder, you know, a transformer actually exploding feels like. That's the best way I can account for it so I can relate to it in a way. You know what I mean? Right. So that's, I'm going to leave that as that.
2: You know, I'm not going to that. And poetry, poetry. Look out out for the obsolete Man. It's going to be a two-hour, one of the weekend feature shows, uh, a total blowout all conspiracy theory show where we really just hash it out and don't kind of stick our toe in and pull it back out for the sake of our main shows, But we're actually just you know, Robert Charles is going to do a thing, and you already know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, real fast uh, on, on Katrina, uh, the new the, the, the new New Orleans, there are roughly more or less than one hundred thousand fewer Black people in the area. Yep. You know what I mean that that has to tell you something. There, there was there was an article I shared with you, uh, on, on, I believe it was on your wall, maybe in private, I'm not sure. Where these people were, you know, were were, and what I call them refugees. Nobody likes to use that, that that word inside of America. You know, the people that are going Australia right now, and the people that are leaving Syria right now, and the people that are running from ISIS, they're all refugees. You know, in America they're misplaced. Fine, fine. Thank you, mainstream news. Thank you. I call them refugees. That's what they were to me. Uh, they, they, they were living in tent cities. Um, when you talk about the, the, the people that were displaced and how they're just gone from the city, they never got to go back to their homes. And when you read the stories in the article that I sent to you, like they were being told that their children were in their new schools being told to cut their dreads. Other kids were teasing them, calling them shelter trash. The parents weren't accepted in these new communities they're being treated exactly like illegal immigrants. They they were. In fact, they were afforded less rights than illegal immigrants are afforded in America in certain cities, much less rights. And and and, that, and that's the, under, the underlying story. That's the biggest tragedy of them all is that you can be an American that's misplaced by a natural disaster and still have to experience racism. Still have your child to be told to cut their dread, still be insulted and called shelter trash, like like that that and that and, and, and I'm sorry, and trust me I and again everybody out there should know at least I know my friends do. You guys know I love America, and I love all I all the privileges and the best thing about it, but I also can't love this much like much like any woman or any car or whatever I can't honestly love it without understanding the root of its evil. I can't love it without understanding what's still there. I can't look somebody in the face who is saying right now all lives matter to just to counter Black Lives Matter or the new thing that just talked up this week, police lives matter, just to counter Black Lives Matter. That's, that's the only reason these phrases are there. You you could name these groups anything else. But they see the popularity of Black Lives Matter and they have to counter it and whitewash it. And 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 that and I think that is the biggest tragedy in all of these stories, all the way from U Street to the Bronx to down in Florida to New Orleans to anywhere densification is happening. That's the biggest tragedy. It all ends up in people of color or low-income people who are white being displaced and being treated horribly wherever they try to go to. And the same thing happened to me myself. We came from our little ghetto in, in Pennsylvania and moved out here to nice Maryland and nice Virginia. Same thing. Same thing. You Let know, me tell you guys story. Go. Uh-huh. go ahead. I was, I was Fire away. I was
1: going to tell you the story about when I made it to Houston after Katrina. Um, when we made it to Houston, we were staying with, because we, we left that Sunday right before the storm when we were told to leave. Um, we left. We Houston usually is like a four-hour drive from New Orleans. It was like 19 hours to get to Houston. We left that morning. We didn't get to Houston till like early, early, early Monday morning. So we get there. We're we're camped out at one of um my one of our friends' house, and we're just expecting it to just blow over like it usually does because that's. Part of the reason that some people in New Orleans don't evacuate because they don't have the money to keep evacuating. We'll evacuate, nothing happens. We come back, that's that's money, you know, that's gone. So we left, and shit started hitting the fan for real, and we realized the severity of everything. So let's fast forward like a month or two later. So now we're in Houston. It's not no longer, well, we're going to stay here for a couple of days until everything blows over. It's we're in Houston. So I'm looking for a job. My mom's looking for a job. And, you know, anybody that's talked to me outside of this knows I don't sound too much different from how I sound on the radio. If you, unless you pay attention to some of the words I say, you wouldn't necessarily know I'm from New Orleans. So... When I speak to people and when I'm going on these interviews and I'm getting to know people and they're talking to me and they're talking about the events of Katrina and some of the people down here, they're real derogatory. They're like, oh, these shelter people, they need to go back to where they came from. You know, I don't know why they got to, why we got to help them, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, not realizing I'm from New Orleans. So then when I have to bust that bubble, it gets real uncomfortable. It's always oh, you're from New Orleans? I couldn't even tell. I mean, I wasn't talking about you. I was just talking about those hood people. Well, I'm from the hood in New Orleans, too. So then the conversation gets even more uncomfortable, and usually they leave. All these assumptions that are made from the media, oh, we're rapists, we're thugs, we're gangsters, and they just eat it all up. The first year in Houston, after. was the most annoying, troublesome headache I have ever dealt with in my life.
2: I don't I don't care how many times it's said, how many comedians have said it, how many uh news reporters have said it, at the end of the day it was a certain color family looking for student supplies, another color family's looting. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I'm and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave both colors blank. So people out there can guess which one was which, but that's what it was, and that's still what it is to this day. It wasn't the story of the dome wasn't about wasn't about um, a, a manager who all he had was his management staff because everybody else evacuated and people were going crazy because they didn't have anything. It wasn't about the government underfunding the situation. It wasn't about the evacuation being ordered too late. It wasn't about uh, FEMA bringing in. Uh, the trucks and saying, "Well, hey, we have to drop these dead bodies off somewhere. We're just going to drop them off outside the stadium. Here you go, so deal with it." It wasn't about these people living in the dark. It wasn't about water coming through the ceiling on these people, and they could not leave. It, it, it was. It was about all oh, their racing and killing each other. These people are raping and killing each other inside the dome. That's what's happening. That's that's that, that's what the infotainment. That's what that's that's one of the early. My early signs of how scary the, the American media can be and how influential they can be. And if you don't believe me, turn your TV right now and see that Donald Trump's leading in the polls, and you'll see how scary and influential they can be. Thank you.
3: <laughs> Speaking of Donald Trump, good old Trump. Um, honestly, uh, from some of the things just that I've noticed. That's been covered, if if not by mainstream media, independent media. Um, I definitely um, drew a level of concern during the Katrina scenario where um, I'm not sure whether it was a militant group, National Guard, or Big Army actually going from house to house uh, raiding homes if they had firearms and supplies, um, I saw. I only saw from from my from my computer. I can't account for it personally, but I saw a woman that she appeared like she was at least about in her 60s to 70s, and she answered questions compliantly about what she had and, and her having firearms and her uh, stockpiling food and she was taken down by a guy who had military gear um i don't i don't want to say specifically who it was because honestly, i don't know but she was taken down pushed up against a cage shelf of food and taken down because she had a firearm to protect herself during this scenario in which people do raid during natural disasters They, I mean we've seen that um, when, when riots occur natural disasters occur uh, some kind of major distraction occurs people try to take advantage domestically of the week and it, it, it's sad and unfortunate but to have these individuals or these group of people that were going from house to house and clearing homes for people that were trying to protect themselves, I think, of course, is very unconstitutional. But, you know, I, I can't account for 100% because I wasn't there. But that's just based off of what I've seen.
1: I mean, you got to think about it like this. If you are in an area, if you if this is you're at your home, and you know you're seeing things, and I don't fault people that are protecting their, their homes and what they have in New Orleans yeah. when all of this was going on, because it was just one big clusterfuck of what the hell is going on. Especially mm-hmm. if you don't know what's going on because you only are going by what you see. I'm going to protect my home. I don't care if you black, white, green, or purple. You come to my house and was <laughs> doing some shit you ain't got no business doing. You might get you might get shot. Period. Exactly. So you got to come at see see that, and then frustration is also a, a factor too. I see all these helicopters, and I am sitting on my roof begging for help. I'm gonna find the biggest rock I can find if I don't have a gun, and I'm throwing it at everybody. Either you go help me, or we all going down. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, speaking of, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the helicopters. Was I the only person? that was throwing up, watching them save animals and pets during the rescue efforts. Um, that made no sense. Let, let, me, let me tell you. I was sitting there like, there are fucking people. You, you could see people on the roof in the next house over, and they're like, oh, the Coast Guard just saved this dog. Oh, my God. And I'm like, whoa, What? What? There are people over there. People. Like, I, I, listen, listen, to any animal rights folks listening, first, you can eat a dick. But second, I love animals, okay? But mm-hmm. we, we got to save the people first. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned. But you've got like, poetry. I know you saw I know you saw that footage. How do you feel, you know, knowing your fellow citizens are out there struggling and they're, they're, they're pulling pets uh, on the boats and, and up in the helicopters?
1: Let me start off by saying this. I am an animal lover. I have a dog. And if my dog was in the water, I definitely want them to help them, help help my dog. But help me first and then come back for my dog. Let's do that. Or how about you do it at the same damn time? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll share a seat with a dog. I'll hold the dog if that's what it takes for me to get rescued. It just it, it this is a I mean, this is a constant in America, you know, because I think I, you touched on it on your on your channel on Hurt's house. Animals are more important than, than humans to a lot of people.
2: Scary, it's scary, it's scary. the same The same people not to, not to you know get away from the topic. The same people who. Will blink an eye and say, "Well, Sandra Bland should have put a cigarette out," or, you know, Freddie Gray should have stayed still and should have been smoking, uh, selling illegal cigarettes. Will say, "Oh my God, a rich man killed a lion somewhere in Africa where everybody's killing lions." That imagine that. That that I'm not making that up. Look look it up, people. Look up, look up the outrage, the the international outrage over a dead lion, and look up the outrage over Sandra Bland. It does. It's not. It's it's not even close. There
3: is absolutely no question that certain classes of people, they value their animals almost like children. And I don't want to dive too far out, but when you have people that are willing to harvest organs in a specific organization, that's when you know animals have been placed above certain classes economic, economically or culturally. I'm gonna leave it at that.
2: Okay? Well okay. and something something, um, I, something else I want to point out too is people that I've read about and um I don't want to pull the I don't want to pull the the, the, the data because it's it's it, it hurts. It hurts. Look up the, the, the psychological evaluations. The results are everywhere on the on that they're not in the news but they're on the net. On the net. Look at the psychological evaluations and the psychological studies and the mental health issues that came from these mothers um, of, you know, of, of other races, but mostly African-American mothers uh, that were displaced for two to five years, and many are still displaced. Many are still sleeping on couches trying to feed their kids. Look at the psychological studies. It's disgusting. I don't want to pull the – I don't even want to name the data. It felt – it will drop your heart, but look it up. It's 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 horrific, and for a country that also will 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 defend a guy like James Woods who shoots in a the movie theater, right? John Holmes, right? James Woods, James, James Woods makes great movies. I'm sorry, John Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> James Woods <laughs> but, but, that epic though. <laughs> yeah, but 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 a, but a guy like John Holmes who shoots in a the movie theater, and I was like, oh. He, he he was mentally he, he was mentally unstable. No, look up the, look up the mothers who are carrying their children around for 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 two to five years or maybe up until now. Look that up, and you'll, you you want to talk about mental health? Go ride for them. Don't ride for a guy who shot the theater. Don't ride for him. Ride, ride for ride for a mother who has to carry for her, her new, anywhere from newborns to you know three to five year old baby that may have been raped. May uh, have been displaced. May have had to walk. May have had to live in a tent and still kept her child alive. And some of them lost their child. Look, 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 look at those mental health facts. Whenever you're ready, I'll be here. I'll wait.
3: Okay, definitely. I gotta, I gotta follow up off of that. Back in the '90s, there was a quote that people used to say: "If you look hard enough, you'll find any, you'll find what you're looking for." That is true. And it actually helps to do that specific method because coincidence is getting very shy these days. And that's all I'm saying. You can research. You you basically have just barely, just barely on the tipping point of top secret info at your fingertips. And... For any listeners out there, utilize what you have while you still have it. That's all I'm saying? I'm done.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was gonna say something. I lost my train of thought just that quick. Oh yeah. The so we're talking about the psychological impact and evaluations that displaced mothers have gone through and I I I really need to do a little bit more research on it. Um I know there's a study in the in the company I actually work for, um, NICHD, that they did on this. So I they gave me the site. I actually have to give you the site because I, I want you to check it out too. I haven't checked it out, but once I check it out and see what what's on there, because they're the only people in the country that even care about this for some strange reason. They're doing they're still doing studies on it. So I, I'm interested in finding out what they, what facts they've came up with. But from the experiences of people that I know they compared the you know the recovery efforts and the the movement of them themselves from their city to other places to a modern day slavery cuz families had to be broken up you know you couldn't go it's not like you had a choice on where you wanted to go they just put you wherever they wanted you wanted to, wanted to put put you there were brothers and sisters, mother, mother and father, father and son, being split up and not knowing where they were going. Some people ended up in Utah. Some people ended up in Houston. Some people ended up in New York. So now you're just gone, displaced from people that you know in an area that you don't know with no means of getting in contact with anybody that you need to get in contact with because at that point in time, if you had a New Orleans number, you might as well have had a carrier pigeon because you probably would have got a better response. So all of these people, especially the mothers that were separated from their children, compared this to modern day slavery. And when you think about it, and think about the acts that took place when during slavery, families being broken up, sent to, sent to wherever, and treated like chattel and sheep, they're not far off.
3: There are actually, um, I've seen a video in which a... Uh, representative of a, a group, a black group, they actually had a sidebar conversation with, uh, Hillary Clinton as far as, um, how things have changed from the old days via, uh, you know, straight out blatant slavery to the modern day where everyone's considered equal, but black communities are working a slave wage and there's not that much difference of it. And Hillary Clinton, she said, she did say his argument or his statement was fair and his statement following that because that relates to this conversation you know, it really stuck with me. Um, his, his following statement with that was that <clears throat> how can we go about to change hearts to keep this from continuing. And she said, she literally said, she literally said it. Um, Hillary Clinton, she said, you are never going to change hearts. What you need to do is change the policies and procedures that are already in
2: place. So um, I, I, say, when, I, say, I I I'm sorry that
3: so No, I'm just saying when when a politician Hillary Clinton says something like that, it really makes you think on what kind of political system as a whole that you may be dealing with.
2: I'm just saying, and I'm done. And and when and when I saw that footage, did you see that meeting with uh, Hillary Clinton? And that, the, the very edited two minute video of her meeting with the Black Lives Matter activists. Yeah, when well, she made that statement. Yeah, let me tell you yeah. something. Um that video was so edited it made me sick because as all of us do editing in another arena, Facebook, arena. Um Oh yeah. we 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 knew what what, what that was. It was like so and so and so clip, so and so up clip, so and so, and interview's over. And you know you know that conversation lasted longer than that. But when Hillary dropped that statement on them, she was absolutely right. What she's saying is, if you get behind me, I will put you in a position where you might be able to change the political power. Oh, but yeah, no won't. question
3: about it. But
2: No, no, no. No but question about it. But you won't. But you won't. There was, there, was, there was a smirk. She started cutting them off. She started, being, she started being herself. You know what I mean? But, and, you, but you, won't, you won't be able to change it, no matter what. Because so just, so just do like all the other civil rights groups, And get your asses behind the Democratic Party. Listen, I'm not saying the Republican Party are still right. They're not. Okay? Now,
3: Jace Terrell, black Black GOP, if I might might say at least just this one interjection, she had her arms halfway crossed. And in the political arena, you know what that means.
2: It's defensive dominance. Yep. That's it. That means you don't have the answers, the way I do. That's a little Kanye joke, everybody. But I'm sorry. Let's let's, let's get back to the <laughs> point. Um, um, what what isn't talked about in um, poetry? I want to ask you about this, and I'm not sure how much longer you want to go, but I want to ask you: um, Did you have the chance? I read about them. Uh, did you have the chance to see or, or and hopefully, not experience the the, the tent cities?
1: I did not have a chance to see or, and I definitely didn't experience it. Um, I was, in that effect, I was, I consider myself lucky. I didn't have those issues,
2: no. Okay, yeah. I mean, because, and and this goes back to, I will circle back to the refugee aspect of Hurricane Katrina, because it's never talked about. It's not. But to see to see these these displaced people in intense cities, and I'm just like, how is this happening? Where is the Calvary? Where, where at, at what point do do a column of buses, Greyhound buses, Humvees, whatever, well Say, hey, we have we have a hotel, we have a Marriott for you guys, we have a Holiday Inn for you guys that the federal government paid for. You guys are staying for a handful of years. We know your neighborhood's gone. Your neighborhood's gone. So we're going to roll up. We're going to get you guys out of here. It's time to go. You know what I mean? Why didn't that happen? It didn't have to be a big. It didn't have to be a big political move. It didn't have to be a big uh, uh, celebrated situation. But all, all I, all I was sitting there waiting for, and this underreported story, was for us to show up. And, 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 and these guardsmen and the military and, and the Red Cross would show up and say, hey, we got you for the next two years, or the next year. You got to figure it out. You got to figure it out for a year. You know what I mean? You got to figure it out. But God damn it, you're Americans. Some of you were hardworking. Some of you were stay at home moms. A lot of you were parents. Let's get you out of this goddamn tent city. But instead, it was, hey, you guys got to move by this date. We we have nothing for you. You can go back home but there's nothing back there because we're putting up condos now. But you gotta try to go back home. And that was another blow that, that that's underreported. But but it it, it, was, it was it was so rough to me when I think about it. When I think about that that this again, great nation, um, in quotations, uh, actually had our citizens fleeing from place to place, trying to put up tents. It it's 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 just hard. You know, that's, that's
1: that's what I got. I um, yeah, for some people they were kind of lucky because they were. I know for some people they went from those tents probably to the FEMA trailers, which, in all honesty, wasn't a big step up. The FEMA trailers were, were the are were these flimsy little things. If it rained too hard, if it if wind was blew too hard, you felt felt everything. You hel- heard everything. It was bad. So you went from hmm. that to that. And then, and I hate to say this, but I blame this more so on the mentality of some of the people from my city than the than anybody, anybody else. The government may have to take a part of it. But what you should have done, instead of cutting checks to people, maybe, just maybe, give them a fucking house. Because when you cut checks to people, in situations where they've never had this amount, this much amount of money,
3: people do stupid shit. Exactly, cutting checks is almost nope. like a automatic fail safe. Like, hey, we we took care of them, we cut them a check, and oh my gosh, they died of an overdose. Not saying that that would be the scenario every time, but. That's just something to think about, you know what I mean, like like you already put out there, Poetry. Um, were there any, ever any uh, movies on Katrina?
1: Yes. Actually, that's. I was going to get to that at the end of the show, but since, since you brought it up, we can do it now. Um, there is a documentary that I recommend anybody. If you want to find out more about Katrina and you don't want this infotainment, Spin on it. You want the hardcore truth from people that live through it. Look for When the Levee's Broke by Spike Lee. I checked it out. If you have Amazon Prime, it's on Amazon Prime for free. So you can watch all of them at your leisure. It's long. It's about a good five or six hours easily. Wow. But it's five or six hours of useful... Good information. If you are interested in really finding out everything you possibly can about Katrina from a multiple standpoint, people that's been through it, people that knew people that's been through it, you know, check that out. I am warning you now. There are going to be parts that are going to be hard to watch. There are going to be parts that's going to hit you. And, and even the, thug, the biggest gangsters, most thuggish dude will cry. So brace yourself. But I would definitely recommend right. that.
3: I'm definitely looking into that because I happen to have the uh, Amazon Prime trial, so absolutely.
1: Alright, but we're actually about to shut the show down. Um so definitely want to thank you Rob for coming through and joining us. We appreciate all your insight. Um JT. Any last Thanks thoughts for you can shut down?
2: No, no problem. Uh, Let 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 me tell you um, what's what what scares me is is a natural disaster could hit, and I I I won't be able to make it. I won't be able to have a place to stay if my if I lose my home if my home is flooded or what have you. Um, I have zero faith in the federal government, even ten years after Katrina to come in and do the right thing. There has to become a point. There has to, We have to get to a point where the government does more than just protect the rich and the wealthy. There has to be a point where the train system moves out equipment instead of people. There has to be a point where there are, are empty uh, vehicles sitting around that could be shuffling people out. There has to be a point where aid gets dropped in the right and wrong parts of town. There has to be a point where all this money that we donate and give to countries, and, and uh, trust me, this Tuesday night, I'm going in on the 9-11 show on how much money we spend in these other countries that are trying to kill us, um, on, on some of these organiza- organizations that are trying to kill us. There have to be some we take at least, we could take $1 billion out of all the countries we spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year in aid for. Just take one, just take $1 billion out of all of them and just invest it in us. Invest it in our school system, Invest it in our people, invested in giving us job opportunities. And once we do that, once you learn how to nation build together, and, and and get rid of this gap between the 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 uh, wealthy and the low income or whites and minorities, however you want to spin it, however you want to spin it, nation media. Once we get past that gap, we can truly be one nation under God in this country. Uh, in America, and, and uh, t- until then, we will always be divided, and we will always be easily conquered by a, a YouTube video from anonymous. We will always be ready to rise up. We we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to. Uh, you know, you talk about the uh, evacuation of us within 24 hours. You talk about the the the, the bill, the the ten whatever uh, billion dollar bill that Bush signed four days after the disaster. You talk about what happened at the Dome. You talk about Amtrak. You talk about all the vehicles you see. It's it's rough, and the same thing can and will happen the next time a major storm hits America. People, I'm not going to tell you to wake up. I'm going to tell you just to figure it out. We have to do more. We just have to. That's all I got.
1: Yeah, kind of piggyback off that. Um, if the the one thing that Katrina has taught me, personal, from a per for a personal standpoint, is you cannot wait for someone to save you. Prepare to save yourself, because the more you wait, the more they will let you wait, and they will do it on their time when it benefits them. It will not be when you need it. It will be when they want it. So to all my family on the Gulf Coast, and not just, you know, New Orleans, but Mississippi, Alabama, because they also got hit by the storm. They got, they they actually got hit with, like, the eye of the storm, so they got some of the harder stuff. But don't depend on the government to save you. If you see, stay diligent and make sure when it looks serious, You take it as seriously as possible, because not taking it seriously can cost you your life. To all my family, friends, the people of New Orleans, the city I love, the city that is my home, keep your head up. We are a resilient city. We stand tall. We stand firm no matter what. We stand, period. They have tried to knock us down every which way, but we always get back up. To all the kids in New Orleans, try to put your mind into something that's worth it. Because as you can see, the value of a black life in America right now is less than the value of a fucking lion. Just wrap your head around that, and when you get when when that when that when you take that statement seriously. We can have a real conversation. Again, I want to thank True Radio Network for doing this joint production with us again. Check them out; they are at, at uh, www.facebook.com, facebook. com tru radio one. Am I right? Yes. Okay. And also on Blog Talk Radio, you can just look for True Radio Network. They have a plethora of shows just 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 like us. They everything that everything they offer is top notch material. I would not be saying it if it wasn't, they are our brother station and again, as always, we appreciate any joint ventures that we can do with them. And definitely be on the lookout for more. Um yeah, I, everybody have I, a day.
2: Great, absolutely, great... absolutely. And, and um and um hopefully if things go well uh, we're looking for a gigantic bomb coming through and we'll just sit on that for a little bit.
1: Yep, yeah, definitely. So, again, if you are looking for more information on Katrina, if, there's, if you're a person that likes documentaries, that want to find out more, I highly recommend, I cannot stress this enough, When the Levees Broke, it's on Amazon Prime if you have an Amazon membership. Well, Amazon Prime membership. If you don't have an Amazon Prime membership, they give them away for, 30, for free for 30 days. So you can get one, watch that, and get rid of it if you want to. But it's on there, all five acts. Like I said, it's long, but it's informative. Check it out. Everybody have a great night. Everybody have a great Labor Day weekend. And we will be back on Monday for DMVF Unleashed. Until then, deuces.